Well, with Mike, I also welcome you to Rivermont this morning and invite you to open your Bibles, or one of the few Bibles, to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, where we'll begin reading at verse 22. Now, in John, chapter 10, Jesus refers to himself as the Good Shepherd, and he refers to us as his sheep. For me and for many of you, this conjures up images in our hearts and minds of Jesus tenderly holding sheep in his arms. We can sense Jesus making the sheep feel safe and secure with his tender care. And this is a good image to have as we embrace the truth of God's word and we extend it to our lives. Yet sheep are not typically the smartest of animals. They are prone to wander away from the flock. They get lost. They fall into pits. In other words, sheep are just like us at times. We all like sheep have gone astray, as Mike has shared in the, in the assurance of pardon. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, the Lord Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Our pit that we often fall into is the pit of sin. Sometimes we get ourselves and find ourselves in difficult situations that it's very hard for us to get out of in our own strength. We fear, we fret, we worry, we become anxious, yet praise God, we have a shepherd that proclaims, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus, again in John chapter 10 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I lay down my life. For the sheep. This living shepherd who has overcome the grave is one who meets our every need. We need someone to save us, to lead us. We need someone to guide us safely through this darkened world on into glory. And again, in Jesus Christ, we have that good shepherd to guide us. We praise God that we are secure in this shepherd's grip. So this is the reading of God's word. John chapter 10, beginning at verse 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around Him and said to Him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we turn now to your word. We thank you for it. We pray for your blessing. We pray for the ministry of your spirit that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we may see the depths and wonders of your love and forever be changed through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, we are continuing our sermon series entitled that our world may know. And I remind you that this title, as we walk through the Gospel of John, comes from our vision statement here at the church. 
that our world may know the love of Christ and be filled with the fullness of God. This is part of Paul's prayer for the church from Ephesians chapter 3. It's coupled with the purpose of John's gospel that we find in John chapter 20. That Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, and this is so important, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Messiah, the Son of God, He is divine, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Now thinking of this purpose, Jesus uses the seven I Am statements to point to His saving relationship to the world. We have already looked at what we see in John chapter 6 where Jesus proclaims, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. The second I am statement we saw in John chapter 8. I am the light of the world, Jesus proclaims. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then earlier in this chapter, we didn't read it this morning, but Jesus proclaims that I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. And then, of course, later in John's chapter in verses 11 and 14, Jesus proclaims that I am the Good Shepherd. Now, from our verses, Jesus is beginning the last four months of His public ministry. It is winter and He is about four months away from His death on the cross. Jesus has been gradually disclosing His identity not only to His closest disciples, but to those close around Him who have ears to hear. He is teaching this day in Solomon's colonnade in the temple and the religious leaders are pressing Him, if you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, please tell us plainly. Jesus' answer is one of the most precious gifts of truth that He ever gave the church. For we are secure in His grip. So this morning we'll walk through the blessings and benefits of being part of Christ's flock. Knowing that He is our Good Shepherd. And we'll do this by highlighting three pairs of words. The first is setting with searching. The second pair of words is the shepherd and his sheep. The third pair of words is His salvation, our security. All these three word pairs point to something for us and in us by Jesus Christ. But let's first set the scene, the setting with searching hearts. This is in verses 22 to 26. The specific setting involves reactions of disbelief, unbelief, that occurring during the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem. We know the Feast of Dedication today as Hanukkah. It occurs around what we know as Christmas time. During this feast, the Jewish community remembers the deliverance by Judas Maccabeus and his army who had rescued Israel from the oppression of the Greeks in the 2nd century B.C. So this is some 200 years later after the people are celebrating that moment in history when Judas Maccabeus and his troops, they had regained control of the temple. They had restored its sanctity and they restored self-rule and governance to the nation of Israel. Now it's during this time of Jesus' life that we know, of course, that 
God's people are under another occupation, but it's the rule of the Romans, not the Greeks. The Jews longed for another day when they would be free. They longed for the Messiah, not Judas Maccabeus and his line, but one from the great line of Judah, the great child of David that would come and rule sovereignly again. And there were many that were beginning to wonder if Jesus was to be this Messiah that would deliver His people both politically and militarily. Now Jesus was walking through one of the covered court areas called Solomon's Colonnade when the Jews surrounded Him. They encircled Jesus and the original language suggests that it's an aggressive encirclement. In the excited spirit of the festival, they ask, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And again, the original language may be translated a little bit more forthrightly by saying, how long are you going to continue to annoy us and frustrate us? Please speak frankly and plainly and candidly. Are you the Messiah? Now, Jesus answered the crowd is brilliant, but he said, but he does so by addressing their unbelief. It's in verses 25 and 26. Twice he says, you do not believe. You do not believe. Now, it's kind of a strange thing about unbelief. Unbelief often asks the right questions, but does not accept willingly truthful answers. And in this particular case, the Jewish leaders that confront Jesus, they ask the right question about Jesus being the Messiah, but many refuse to hear the right answer. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the eternal shepherd of His sheep. This Messiah, though, will not free Israel from Roman oppression. Our Messiah will free His sheep from the oppression of sin and death. Probing questions, searching hearts with this eccentric thing about unbelief that often asks the right questions but will not tolerate the truth. Have you ever been there? I've asked questions of God. Why? Do you really love me with this life that sometimes seems unfair? And yet in the context of John chapter 10, Jesus is here clearly identifying Himself with the great shepherd of the Old Testament. The one who is able to proclaim, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It is Yahweh, Lord God Almighty, the covenant God of His people who takes His sheep to green pastures, to still waters, to calm places. He is a shepherd that will restore our weary hearts. He is a shepherd that takes care of everything. Now this is where I think we sometimes maybe press the Lord a little bit. Because this shepherd is not a partner. He's not somebody that you enter into a partnership as if you are able to say, God, you do this and I'll do that and together we'll be okay. No, he takes care of his people. A shepherd puts you in his arms and he says, don't you worry about a thing. I've got everything under control. Relax. No worries. Everybody in this room is looking for that kind of shepherd, I would think. And yet you ask, what's the connection with unbelief? 
Sometimes we look to others to take care of our needs in ways that only the great shepherd of our soul can do. That's one way we go about disbelief. We may marry a wonderful spouse. Praise God, I did. Just make sure you hear that. It's a good thing. And we think now that I have finally found a person that will take care of all of my needs. Oh, this is a person with whom I can always relax. This is a person that will always give herself completely to me. Surprise! Some of us stress because we thought our father or our mother should be our great shepherd. Surely mom and dad can take care of all my problems and meet all my needs. They will always give themselves away for me. Surprise! Some of you have gotten jobs or look for friends or you voted in certain leaders thinking that this is the one who is finally going to take care of us. And again, I say, surprise. Some of you, now this is interesting. Some of you say, ah, yes, I used to be like that. But now I'm emotionally mature. I'm so well adjusted. I know that nobody else is perfect. But here we must be careful. Because sometimes if you maintain that attitude, you think that you need no one else in your life to take care of you. In effect, you have decided, who will be your shepherd? You. You've decided that you are qualified, yet you'll soon discover that you're not qualified. Not qualified as Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. And okay, I know that you'll be less of a nuisance to society, but still you will fall short in yourself. Surprise! Everyone though is trying to find a shepherd to care for their body and soul. And until you realize that no human being besides this one in Scripture can be the great shepherd, all otherwise you will always find yourself to be restless. You are always going to be unhappy. With me, you can understand your life up until now has been one with this key. You've been searching for the shepherd and we simply need to allow him to open the eyes of our hearts and hear him say, I am the one. I am the shepherd who is here to take care of your soul. So we're searching. We need him. And think of what that will do for our relationships, dear family. If we are in a place that we relieve others from our expectations of being shepherd, of being God, and we focus on Jesus, and therefore we're able to live in such a way and give to one another in such a way that there is loving relationship among us. It's not perfect, but it's loving. So that brings us now to our second word pair, the shepherd and his sheep. Verse 27 contains... Three wonderful foundational promises. My sheep hear my voice. He gives us the ears to hear. Secondly, the sheep hear, the shepherd here knows his sheep. I love this. It, it begins back up in verse 3 where he says, He calls his own sheep by name. Verses 14 and 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And here again in this verse, verse 27, I know them. That's the second great promise here. And the third one is this. The shepherd leads his sheep. 
They hear His voice. We know who He is. He knows us. And we follow Him. The shepherd leads his sheep. He guides his sheep. He leads us to green pastures and still waters. Family, this is comforting. Just as he knows our name, the sheep know his voice and they follow him wherever he leads. He never leads us into sin. And he asks us to walk even in the valley of the shadow of death. We walk with him whether in triumph or in trial. But we'll never do so alone. Thankfully, we are not being led by our own strength. We are being led by the strength and power of God Himself and the power of the Spirit. He has united us to Himself. It's all a wonderful thing, is it not? To have ears to hear, to be known, to follow as we lead. And I simply want to say, honestly, perhaps. Honestly, Maybe. There is tension in being intimately known if we really admit it to one another. We fear being known in the depths of our soul with all of our beauty and with all of our ugliness. We fear being intimate if someone discovers our love, a good thing, and yet our hatred that may be down in the depths of our soul. We are designed by God Himself to be known by Jesus and by one another. We long to get close, but at the same time we kind of say, Stay away! You're getting a little bit too intimate with me. Now the Bible explains this profoundly. In Genesis chapter 2, before sin entered the human race, remember Adam and Eve are enjoying their relationship together. And the man and his wife were both naked. They were not ashamed. They were transparent. There was no issue. In Genesis 3, though, sin entered the human race. And as Adam and Eve sinned, do you know what is said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7? The eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. The supermajority of us would be petrified. We would be petrified if we were to be totally exposed before one another physically. I would be terrified if you saw me physically, okay? (laughs) Yet think of complete exposure spiritually and emotionally. Our sin makes a mess. Would we really want others to know the depths of our sin or our gods or our desires to be um, in control? No, we need an effective clothing so that we would be at peace with ourselves and with one another and So that we can be appropriately vulnerable. And by God's grace we have a shepherd who knows. And who knows how to close us with beautiful adornments. Isaiah 61. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with what? His robe of righteousness. It's a wonderful thing. That our great shepherd, the good shepherd, clothes us with garments of righteousness as we allow him to be our shepherd. And we are his sheep. And that leads us to our third point. Verse 28 is one of the great verses in the Bible, but it begins to unfold this third word pair of salvation and our security. I give them eternal life, Jesus says. And they will never perish. 
No one will snatch them out of my hand. It's a tremendous verse, is it not? If you are a sheep of God's flock, you are a sheep chosen by God before the foundation of the world as a love gift from God the Father to God the Son. And you will never, never, what? Perish. Now to perish means to be separated from God and His blessedness forever. That will not happen for the sheep of His flock. I'll put it simply. Folks, no sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of God's flock, no time, no way have ever lost their salvation. Now what's the reason for this security? Is it you? No. It's the Lord Jesus Himself and God the Father. No one will snatch you out of My hand. There is no way, there is no way, there is no man, there is no persecution. There is no hostility. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no betrayal. Nothing will snatch you out of the hand of God, the Father, and Jesus, His Son. And again in verse 29, it's reinforced, My Father who is giving thee, the sheep, to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. That's a good thing. We're in the hand of Jesus. We're in the hand of God, the Father. We are secure. Verse 30 says, I am the Father, I am the Father in one. Now that is mind boggling. We are tied together in the beautiful unity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God, and He will bring it to pass. So now we're celebrating not our faithfulness or even the fact that we will persevere to the end, which is the truth of Scripture, but it's celebrating Jesus' faithfulness to see us to that very place. The most important question for us is this. What did it cost Jesus as a good shepherd to make such a promise to us? In verse 11, he says, well, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, in verse 15, just as the father knows me, I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Again, in verses 17 and 18, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. By laying down His life, Jesus sheds His own blood on our behalf. Sheep that are now redeemed. We are purchased. We are set free. But we belong to Him. With His death and resurrection, we are secure in the shepherd's grip forever. Jesus Christ is the one shepherd that lays down His sheep. Now think about this for a moment. There are great shepherds in God's Word. Think of Jacob as he was the son-in-law of Laban and he says to his father-in-law as I tend to your sheep, if I lose any of these sheep or if, a, or if an animal gets one of these sheep, I will repay you with my own hand. And then think of David as great shepherd. He's one that will leave the sheep to track the lion and the bear as they got away with some of the sheep, and he tracks them down and he kills the lion and the bear to retrieve the sheep. But do you think that if David knew that he was going to die when he did that, that he would have given up his life? No. The uniqueness of Jesus Christ as a true shepherd is that he lays down his life for a sheep. He lays it down voluntarily. Your salvation, friends, 
does not rest on your ability to keep it. Your salvation, friends, rests on God's care, His providence, as Jesus is our faithful shepherd to us as His sheep. Nothing will celebrate or separate you from the love of Christ because you are secure in the shepherd's grip. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to worship and bow down, to kneel before You, the Lord, our Maker. For You are our God and we are Your people, the sheep of Your hand. We thank You for Your Son, the Good Shepherd who has laid down His life for the sheep. May we hear the voice of our Shepherd. May we respond to His leading that we will follow Him all the days of our lives, knowing indeed that we are secure in His and in Your almighty grip. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.